1: episode 20 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm your host, Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Thank you so much again for coming and joining with me on this incredibly hard journey that is coping after losing a child. Today I talk again with Gwen Capsha of Starlight Ministries. Today's topic is about that emotionality of the grief, the fact that you feel so many emotions all at the same time, that you are on a roller coaster ride that you can't see what is coming up next and what is coming around the corner. Oftentimes, people feel like they are going completely crazy and losing their mind. I know I felt that way. And lots of parents that I talked to felt like that was what was going on. Like they couldn't think properly, they couldn't do the normal things that they were supposed to do in their life, and they felt like that must mean that they are going completely crazy. Uh, in this episode, we hope to kind of put that to rest, to let everyone know that they are not going crazy, that this is a normal part of the grieving process, Grief takes a lot of hard work and a lot of energy, and it uses a lot of what uh, your mind can process at the same time. So what's left over is not what it used to be. And at least for a while, simple things may seem much harder than they used to be. It is so important to talk about this and to let everyone know about this uh, and to know in community, that we can move through this journey, and that we are not going crazy. I feel like community is a really important part of this whole process. And that is something that I hope to be able to provide for many people. It brings me to reminding all of you about the way we can connect on social media and through my website andysmom.com. Um, you can go on my Facebook page, Always Andy's mom, Follow me on Twitter at Always Andy's mom or Instagram. And feel free to comment back and forth to each other so that we can get to know each other better and uh, realize what struggles are. And if you want to leave uh, topics for things that you think Gwen and I should cover or other parents uh, that I should talk to, or if you want to be on the show, certainly let me know. Reach out. Uh, I feel like this is kind of my mission now, Um, my ministry, some have said, to be able to walk with parents who are grieving And have them understand me and me understand them and me to be able to offer some comfort. So, enjoy my conversation with Gwen. I know I did, and I learned a lot. Welcome again, Gwen.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here again. (laughs)
1: I know. I just love having you on. I feel like I get to learn so much. So I appreciate you being on again. Sometimes I can't stop myself from wanting to teach people about (laughs) grief. Well, (laughs) that's a a wonderful thing. This is an excellent platform because that's exactly what we're trying to work on and accomplish here. So some hope and healing. Right. So today's topic is really on that roller coaster of grief and how your emotions can be all over the place and you can just feel sometimes feel everything at the same time mm-hmm. and um I know I felt like I was l- literally going crazy I was losing my mind I just felt like I'm not even with it at all anymore and it's funny how reassuring that was when I talked to other mothers who felt the exact same way because you really feel like you're the only one Mm -hmm. feeling that way and feeling like I'm going crazy and you don't want to really even admit it Right, I'm I'm so glad that some of these other moms did because Mm -hmm. it made me feel a lot better. So I just want to kind of talk about that today. Yes.
2: And that is the pieces that we don't dare tell anyone because then they'll confirm that we are crazy. But the opposite happens when you realize that you're not alone and you're not. It feels like you're going crazy, but you are not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many emotions at one time and it's very hard to process all of those at the same time. It is very overwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm and so and i think the other thing that i have learned is that you know we've all experienced some level of sadness, disappointment, hurt. You know, we can yeah, but the intensity and then you add on some feelings that we're not really used to, bitterness, mm-hmm. anger, um just you know whatever the situation was, maybe you're mad at the doctor, the police officer, the whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it adds then there's jealousy yes. that all of a sudden your life is no longer the same and your awful neighbor has her family intact and mm-hmm. you feel feelings towards your neighbor that mm-hmm. are just enraging you and you thinking, what's wrong with me? With right.
1: The, yeah. Yeah. I know Eric had said that he had a super hard time over the holidays because everyone was complaining about their busyness, not being able to find the right gift for their kids, all of those kinds of things yeah. that now just seemed dumb and he just – thought if only I could be having to worry about getting Andy the perfect gift right. or not being able to find the right gift for Andy. If that was my biggest problem right now, that would be great. Exactly. You know? and, and so it, it is a lot of jealousy. The, yeah, the trivial mm-hmm. um, and the people taking someone
2: for granted. I remember a woman telling me that after her husband died, she saw a couple in her neighborhood holding hands while the husband was trying to hold the wife's hand and the wife kept like breaking free and pushing it away and she said I wanted to go out and just physically wrangle that woman and give her a lecture about the importance of holding holding his hand hand. yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so just feelings like that that just come so much and we've talked about this before in those early days you're so exhausted yeah and you you know you have um physical pain Mm mm-hmm You know, Mm -hmm. grief is very physical. I think next time we've talked about talking about taking care of ourselves physically. So we'll Mm -hmm. address that, but it's very physical. So that hurts. Um, But yeah, I think that reassurance that I'm not losing my mind is a huge one. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think early on, like you said, you're just, Mm -hmm. you feel so overwhelmed that it's hard to sometimes even feel much of anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't even feel like I thought I was going crazy Mm -hmm. until until some of that numbness started to wear off mm-hmm. because at the beginning I mean I feel like of course I was devastated and I was sad but a lot of it I I was just almost numb I right. just couldn't yes, even feel first. everything mm-hmm. and then the emotions start coming mm-hmm. after a while so right. not right away for me I you know I can only say personally but for me it those emotions started flooding later mm-hmm. and that's right. when you start to think I'm mm-hmm.
2: losing it right So I relate this emotions of roller or grief to roller coasters. And a lot of people do, but for me it was an experience at space mountain. Have you ever been there? Yes. Okay. Yes. So have we talked about this? No. Okay. So I am eight years younger than my oldest sibling. So I was eight and she was 16 and we were in line for space mountain. And, um, I remember thinking, you know, what's going to happen to me? You can't see it. Like on other roller coasters and other amusement parks, you can look visually and decide if you can handle that hill or that turn or the upside down. Well, this was just a building. So we waited in line and we get in there and it's dark. Yes. And they strap you in Mm -hmm. and then they shoot you out and you cannot lean or prepare for what's going to happen. I found it very jarring. Did you? Yeah. 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 And, And out of control. Mm-hmm. So as I was on it, I remember thinking, I don't know what's going to happen to me from here to there, but I know I'm going to come out the other end. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'll be sick. I don't know if I'll have a broken neck. Yeah. I don't know how many, if I'm going upside down, right side up. And I was only eight. Right. Well, then when I had my own grief journeys and then when I watched other people, I thought, boy, this is so much like Space Mountain because I can't look at you or we can't say to your listener, you have a really big hill coming up.
1: No, no. Because oftentimes it's those little things that sneak up on you that you didn't expect at all that just get you. And the big stuff you get ready for, you prepare, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, like you, I mean, not that they're not really hard because they are really hard, but I feel like and that I try to prep myself. Right, You can tense up. Because mm-hmm. this is the other thing I say about roller coasters
2: is they give you warnings. Don't go on if you have a bad back, if you have a bad heart, certainly not if you're pregnant. And what they do is now they harness you into the point that your neck is in a good position. I mean, mm-hmm. the old roller coasters, if your body got too far, mm-hmm. you know, that really jarred your neck. I don't know if they call it G-forces or whatever <laughs> that is. Well, what I do as a grief counselor is really help people relax in their ride. Because oftentimes we fight against that. Yeah. And we think, you know, if I mentioned the lady who got enraged at her neighbor, not holding her husband's hand, um, she was tense. I mean, that just threw her into, you know, a tailspin. And if I can just say, relax, that comes with it. You want to be mad at your neighbor, you know, mm-hmm. and allowing people and that's to, okay. re- yeah, yeah. to relax in their ride. So I kind of look at it that I guide people through their Space Mountain, their darkness. Mm-hmm. And again, no warnings. No warnings that bad times are coming or a smell or a thought or a song
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is going
2: to blow your, you know, self up today emotionally. Just put you in a spot that you were not prepared to go. So I think that's also that crazy making is I thought I was having a good day.
1: Yeah. And well, now- I, let me just tell you about yesterday because yeah. I okay. feel like I have a little story almost about that yesterday. So, um... I had not gone to my Bible study group in a while. And part of it was because our grief support group, we started a new night. Right. You started a new night at Starlight. And so I wanted to go to that one. It was much closer to us. And I just kind of wanted to help a little bit Mm -hmm. starting out because pretty much everyone else there was new. Right. So it was nice to kind of have an old family there. So anyway, so because of that, I didn't go for six weeks. And then we had Christmas break. And then last week, I'm like, oh, I kind of have a headache. But I was putting it off. Mm-hmm. for sure. And then yesterday at work, I s- happened to, not really happened to because I'm sure it was meant to be that that two of my checkups were of women who I'd been in Bible study with in the past okay. or one actually I had I currently in Bible study with her mother. So not with her, but with her mother. So I felt this prompting from God that I should go. And I was having a really good day yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was feeling good and I went and it was fine. I i mean, I you know, of course, I always tear up a little bit, but uh, but I was doing well. And then I can't, I don't even know what the question was that we were talking about. But the woman next to me said she, she was reminded of, she said, Andrew just running to Peter and saying, I found him, I found him <laughs> when, when he found Jesus and leading Aww. Peter to Jesus. And... I just immediately started sobbing because I kept thinking, I thought of my Andy Mm -hmm. in heaven, and he was always so excited, and I can see him saying, Peter, I (laughs) found him, I found him, he's right here. So like when Peter would get ready to go to heaven, he would be there, Andy would be Mm -hmm. there excitedly showing him Jesus. Mm -hmm. Totally out of the blue, Mm -hmm. a completely innocent, Mm -hmm. innocent thing because I know she didn't she probably knew that my son who had died was Andy but she did not know that my other son's name was Peter and they were always so proud to have their names Mm -hmm. Peter and Andrew like in the Bible they loved that so um But anyway, caught me completely off guard and and really threw me because all I could do was hear my Andy's voice saying that over and over. And I then was like, for the rest of the Bible study, I'm like. Do I leave? Do I, I don't know what to yeah. do. I, but I couldn't really participate even anymore. Right. So you know, it,
2: it stopped you. Let me ask what some of your thoughts were. Were you thinking, Marcy, what is wrong with you? Or were you thinking, how am I going to just make it to the end? Like yes, is this just yes. talks
1: to help people with some of those internal. I mean, it was kind of, how am I going to get through? Um, wondering a little bit, seeing, you know, we're sitting in a little discussion circle, wondering what are other people thinking about mm-hmm. me because they're obviously noticing I'm like sniffling mm-hmm. and I'm trying to wipe away tears and I'm thinking, is someone gonna now hand me a Kleenex? You know, I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening. Um and so it was that. It was it was I I mean it, and in some ways it was a kind of a cool thing because mm-hmm. I had not thought of Andy's vision. It yeah. was it was a mm-hmm. really beautiful vision. But it really uh it was really more the perception of what Others would be thinking, thinking. okay. Mm-hmm. So that that is
2: oftentimes why we, what inhibits us from grieving is if people really know who I, you know, see me. What will they say? Yeah. Um, and you and know, they didn't
1: know what was going on in my head. Right.
2: Right. The other thing that I hear people say sometimes internally is those conversations that says, "You're nuts. Like something's
1: wrong with you. You've yeah. got to get a grip." suck it up. And, and I kept getting that. I I could hear it in my head over and over and over. And I kept thinking, you got to put it out of your head. You got to stop thinking about this right now. This is not the time or place to think about this right now. You know what I mean? Because I was like, you got to get your focus back.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So two things that we just talked about. So the one is, is allowing yourself to lean into it and go, it's okay that this threw me. I'm not crazy. I'm not losing my mind. I it it's you know people say um, grief bursts waves of grief you know if we look at the roller coaster it was just a valley or a sharp turn that you were not expecting on yeah. your ride on mm-hmm. Monday night, um, so all of a sudden those messages it says you're all right. And I think I want people to reassure themselves. It just says, you're not going crazy. Yeah. This is a grief. It it hit you. It's a moment. But then the next thing that you did was make some kind of assessment of, is this the time or place that I could safely do it? And I think in early on in our grief, we don't care. It right. just needs to come out wherever right. we are. Right. You can't control it. Right. But you, a year or so down the line, will make those assessments Um, sometimes very quickly of, nope, I just need to get home and then I'll process this, or I need to be with safe people. Sometimes we're not in a safe spot. And I don't know these women terribly
1: well. Yeah. You know, so... So if it were your grief group, it probably would have been... I think I would have... Totally I would have... Right. If it would have been in my grief group, I would have immediately said something Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. just sat there for, you know, half an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. At the end, I did feel like I had been... So emotional that I had to offer some explanation. So um, then I did kind of share that. And I think that was okay to do at the end because I also felt like if I did it in the moment, it would have just thrown off the whole rest of the day. Right. But in the evening. But saying something at the very end, I think. Then did offer people a little bit of an idea as to why I kind of lost it, and and mm-hmm. it was it, it was a really beautiful moment mm-hmm. to have that vision. So it wasn't like it was negative. I mean, some right. some things are just negative, right? Yeah. And you're just and you go, very oh, I throw the whole group off, but yes. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So those are times that we make that assessment. Um, I think something else you just said is you decided to risk showing others who you were. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the part about grief that requires bravery. And I think it's the part about healing that requires bravery and it allows for healing to happen when we tell someone who we really are. Mm -hmm. It says, I'm not doing the best today. Yeah, I'm I'm having a difficult time. Or that just struck me, um, to to name those moments, to know they're part of your ride and your journey, to allow yourself to make a decision. Who can I trust with them? But it is okay to say to someone, "Wow, that I just had a grief burst and that really threw me."
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to do, but I think it is important. Because it really sh- helps other people to understand. Right. And otherwise, they're going to kind of keep doing it. Then they know what to do with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: The other piece, when I was saying about the decision about time, is that, and those messages in our head about, you know, well, now is not the time, or these people aren't the place, whatever that is. There are some people who,
1: in their eternal thoughts, will do that in every situation. Yes. Yes. I, it's you, what I was thinking when you were saying yeah. that. I thought, but you don't want... I mean like, oh, I can never do that yeah. at work. Well, if you're at work, you know, think about how many hours you spend at work. That is going to be too long probably right. to have to hold that all in. You it would be so important, I think, to try to find at least someone at work that you would be able mm-hmm. to do that with right. or open up with because wow, to think of having to hold that in forty hours mm-hmm that you know you can never do it there. And
2: there are some people who work in an environment that they really feel they can't. Yes. Then it's like, then where can I? So the question would be, is not to deny your grief. Yeah. um, But to dose it Mm -hmm. and to say, when can I take that on? When can I experience that. And sometimes you have to say this isn't the place but when I get home I'm going to do this or call a friend and do that. So we never want to put it down and not pick it up but it is okay to put it down for a while.
1: Oh yeah yeah well Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just have to. I mean I can't you know I I, obviously when I'm seeing patients Mm -hmm. and seeing little kids I can't let the grief take hold of me there. Right. But fortunately I do you know have time between that I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I still am just thrown off. Mm-hmm. Just a certain thing happens. You know, yeah. I walk in and it's, you know, the brother of one of Andy's classmates or something. Mm-hmm. That throws
2: me. Right. And and we all, you know, we talk about time out for kids or I've got someone who's training their dog to go on a mat. I'm like, you know, we all have to train ourselves sometimes to go to areas that are safe. Yeah. So this is my space. This is what I can do. And I think that's what helps take that craziness out of the overwhelming emotions of grief and allow us a little bit more control over them mm-hmm. um so they don't overwhelm us,
1: yeah, because it is nice to be able to feel a little bit of control because when you feel like everything is out of spinning out of control, mm-hmm. that is one of the worst things I mean, it, you just go back to that space mountain example yeah. that you have, you have no control over any no. of that, Mm-mm. you know talking about that it's it's very funny too, because. You know, one of the last times I ever rode Space Mountain really was um, the, was a, several years ago. We took all the kids, and um, the ride broke in the middle, and oh they my. had to turn on all the lights and they let us all out. I mean, it was fine because they yeah. quickly it everything stopped, all the lights go on, and someone is right there. What does, a does it look like member, in there? exactly? <laughs> That's and what you, I want to know. And you know what? I found myself really looking. Right, you study everything almost like I'm trying to get it in because I know they're going to give me a pass to get in again. Right, and if I almost can kind of memorize right. what it's going to be like, then it will somehow make it easier. Yeah, and you'll have more control, and I'll you have can more lean control. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, so it was really funny, I, and that's why that example was so cool for me because I actually have seen the inside. of Wow, it. and it does uh, change things quite a bit, actually.
2: Oh, that is really interesting. I'm so glad you shared that with me. Um, and, and and now I, you're jealous a little bit, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I am. The other piece that I kept telling myself as an eight-year-old girl is I mentioned that I really was going to survive it and that, you know, I hadn't heard of anyone, you know, um, not making mm-hmm. it out of the ride because I watched all those people come out the exit. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit what I can offer too for Bury people is I can't say exactly what's going to happen to you during your journey, but I mm-hmm. really do know that you really can survive it. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope we talked about last time of giving people some hope. But we really, if I couldn't do my job as long as I've done it or experienced this without Um, How do I want to say this? Giving people the hope that they really don't have to stay in the depths of their pain, that people really do move um, to healing. And that gives me hope that I'm just with them in this darkness, but it's
1: not forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found from people reaching out. You know, a lot of people um, have been emailing mm-hmm. um, me afterwards or putting little messages out. And uh, I think that's what's been the most helpful is them feeling like, oh, I am so not alone. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that I don't know how, but I'm going to survive this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my ride's going to be like or how dark or how many hills or valleys turns, twists but I can make it through this.
1: Yeah, it was uh, last week I had two people email me on the same day, one a month and a half out and one 35 years out. And oh. it was it was just it was kind of neat actually mm-hmm. to have those extremes yeah. because the one and a half months out, oh, so much pain, mm-hmm. so much pain. And the woman who is 35 years out it was just, it was just different. Yeah, you know, she just felt like she was offering, trying to offer comfort to me. Aww. The first woman was really mm-hmm. trying to seeking comfort. seeking comfort from mm-hmm. me, and the second one was offering comfort mm-hmm. to me, and it just shows yeah. how helpful we can be to each other. Absolutely. So it was just a cool moment for me to read one needing help, and then the next one almost if if I would. Which I don't really at all ever feel, you know, overwhelmed by talking mm-hmm. to other people about their grief. I don't at all. Mm-hmm. Some people think that's kind of weird, but, um, but had I been, had I been feeling more down about. Mm -hmm. oh, these horrible things happening, then to have that encouragement from someone else. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And it's cool anyway. It Mm -hmm. is.
2: It is. I think the one thing that I would also want to mention that people who may be listening still say, well, you don't know how crazy my thoughts are. Like I'm the one who really is losing it. Um, I would suggest that you look at reactions to grief. And um, when... Things persist when to seek help yeah but the the two key words that come up when seeking needing to seek help is intensity and duration, mm-hmm. something that 's really intense over a long period of time. now, those first months and almost years seem like a very long period of time, mm-hmm. um, but they 're not, but if some of these things linger and persist over a long period of time then you may want to sit down with a professional counselor and talk Mm -hmm. them through and say no here's some thoughts and and
1: and I think counseling early on Mm -hmm. is fantastic I mean when I talked with Caleb's mom last week she started right away a week after that is Mm -hmm. amazing and wonderful that she did that I was a little further out Mm -hmm. you know I went to one the first week but then I didn't see anybody again until Mm -hmm. like October and even a couple of I had a couple visits to my doctor too, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to my doctor and and initially she said, well, you know, this is grief. right? And um, nothing I'm going to, would give you would really help your grief, Mm -hmm. which I felt was great because a lot of practitioners, I think, are very quick to prescribe some medication to try to get you better. But saying that, then I go back, A couple of months later and I'm having some real significant PTSD from Mm -hmm. just flashbacks of the accident and that's bad and then she said you know what I think maybe now where you are and the duration of things and the symptoms Mm -hmm. you're having maybe we should try some medication and I did and and that also helps Mm -hmm. but I I so I can feel like I can see both ways, right?
2: Well, in pain is pain. Nothing cannot make pain be pain. I mean, it mm-hmm. has to be what it is. So that that was very true. Um, but then there comes a time where if we're managing it, we need a little lift to help us. Whether yes. it's medication or yes. talk- so, it's it's like crutches. You know, it mm-hmm. really hurts to walk on my leg, but if I use the crutches, I take the weight off of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I I talk to kids a lot about that who. I end up having to put on medication for depression because they are doing mm-hmm. counseling, and I, you know, and I always use a visual. You're you're way down here right now, and we want to get you all the way up. And giving you some medication is not going to get you all the way up, right? But if it can get you halfway mm-hmm. or a quarter of the way, a little bit of the way, right, to make your counseling be able to get you back up. That's what we're going to hope for. Right. That's what we're striving yeah. for. And that could be in these cases as well, mm-hmm. I think.
2: Well, um there are some, you know, people who do grief counseling or grief therapy and they don't want to see a bereaved client who's taking anything because they want the the emotions and then the the question about uh, medication to help you sleep. My own personal theory on that is the fact what you just said is that if my days are so hard and they exhaust me so much and I'm not getting any sleep mm-hmm. to regenerate for that, I need something to help me so I have something to fall back on for my tough days. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's finding that balance.
1: Yeah. it And that's a tough one too, It is the, the sleep piece. Because um, there are some medications that it's it's like you're it's not even real restorative sleep right that you get either. So, um it's a balance. It is. And it's a balance. Yeah. You do need sleep, but it would it's nice to get good sleep.
2: And I think what we're really probably getting to is encouraging the listener to keep seeking to find the right balance for them. Exactly. In in their own thoughts that they might be overwhelming, their own sleep patterns, their own, you know, whatever is to
1: find how they can cope the well, best. And you know, I am a physician, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes physicians feel like they want to treat themselves, okay? Mm -hmm. And and people in general do that. But even, you know, with with my background, what did I need to do? I needed to find someone else to help me to make those decisions Mm -hmm. as to what I needed to do because I'm not thinking clearly enough to make those decisions. And as bereaved parents, bereaved people, we – oftentimes can't you're not right. looking through a clear lens you're right so going to your doctor and mm-hmm. even though that first time I you know she didn't really do anything specific for me it was reassuring to go there and have her say this is this is grief right this is what it looks mm-hmm. like and I don't feel like I'm seeing anything out of the realm of mm-hmm. normal grief mm-hmm. right now so that was, it was reassuring to me, actually. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Something
2: that we didn't address is, I think, a little bit of what we may um, be talking about is the trauma of grief. But then there may be a, a parent who had a long-term caregiving situation mm-hmm. where the, 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 um, It it was a little different, but that still is good to go to the doctor to say, this is what I've been through. I haven't been sleeping because I've been caregiving. I've been doing this and Mm -hmm. neglecting myself. Most caregivers do. They put their focus on, you know, the patient and then they neglect themselves. It's good to go to the doctor after any loss, four to six months afterwards, in minimum, I mean, if not before, to say, this is what I've been through. Yeah, I, this is what I'm experiencing. This is and your doctor knows what you've been through. They can help you, you know, see things clearer.
1: Yeah. Like you and, mentioned. and like you said, we're going to talk about some of those physical things later. Yeah. But a lot of it, too, is when when some of that stress and you've been pushing yourself and pushing yourself and trying mm-hmm. to be there for that loved one, when some of that subsides, then you can sort of. You feel like you can let go right. of that a little bit, and you can have some significant Illnesses. illness and setbacks. Yes, mm-hmm. Ab-
2: absolutely. I agree. Um, I think my brain wants to go back to when we were talking about um, questions or things we have in our head and intensity and duration and am I... I also always want to tell people that if they're thinking about self-harm or harming someone else, that that is definitely a time to reach out. That that, you know, is, we've talked about the hopeless feeling of grief, but when you begin to thinking about harming yourself or someone else, that's when it really needs attention. Yes. And And I feel like we'd be amiss if we didn't bring that up in the overwhelming um, feelings that people have at this time. And it's, you know, I explain it. um, It's not so much that, you want to die, it's you don't know how to live right now. Right,
1: right. And when you don't know how to live, then you start having thoughts of, well, maybe I just shouldn't. Right. And that's when it gets scary. Yeah. And that's when you need to talk Absolutely. to somebody. You need to tell someone that mm-hmm. I'm kind of losing the will to live. I'm right. thinking about harming myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, <laughs> right, you said harming someone else too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in the yeah. case of some... You know, murders or accidents yeah. or things like that, you really can be out for vengeance.
2: Right. I have sat across from people, and not a lot, but where it was definitely about wanting to make the other person pay. And yeah. that, that was consuming their thoughts. And so they needed really help
1: yeah help to be able to let go yeah, of yeah because
2: those intense feelings of I you know want to seek justice I mean for their person mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that gets overwhelming and and if those are the thoughts that are running
1: in your brain I just want to encourage people to reach out for mm-hmm, help mm-hmm. I mean I know I certainly had uh, a lot of anger towards the person mm-hmm. that hit us I mean I never wanted to really hurt her but you do have thoughts of like this is just not fair mm-hmm. you know you you get to mm-hmm. tuck your son into bed every night and I don't and um, and it can. I can see how it could happen. Right. Like to, to, to someone, to mm-hmm. anyone, that you could jump to that. That right. I really want something bad to right. happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if that gets to that point, that is just the time to reach out to somebody mm-hmm. and say, I'm having really dark thoughts. hmm Yeah. hmm
2: One of the thoughts that we didn't talk about that's a little bit lighter on this in the overwhelming emotions is our lack of concentration. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's when people feel like they really have something wrong with their brain. You know, know, that grief brain and those kinds of things are real. Mm -hmm. That bereaved people are not thinking clearly. So the expectation that you're going to be
1: a sound mind for a time is not a... Well, and, and honestly, I mean, that was me trying to go back to work far too early. It was far too early. I mean, really was, I, I scared my nurse. I know because I would go into a room and I would see someone and I would know that I wanted to put them on a medication, but I couldn't come up with a name of it. Right. I just couldn't. And mm-hmm. so then I would come out and I would ask her. Because, and she would, you know, usually mm-hmm. know because she knows what I do because she knows me right. so well. But that was pretty scary to her. Right. I mean, like, she felt oh like, no. I'm yeah. not the doctor. You're right. the doctor and you're always yeah. the one to know these things and you always know, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've i never come out and had to ask those kinds of questions before. And, uh, you know, it put, mm-hmm. it it made her scared. Right. Yeah. I think she was scared for my, um, because she's not seen that before. Right. Certainly. And, and anyone, I'm sure, let alone seeing it in someone she works for and has trusted. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it does.
2: But see, then what happens is as the bereaved, we get the message sometimes from people that, wow, you're really losing it and something is wrong with you, which, you know. Yeah. Um, and I fuels, think I probably got that. Yeah. Honestly, that. I got that
1: a little bit back. And um, and then I, you know, I was away right. for a long time. Right. And, and I don't know if I would have Had to be, although I'm glad I did. I'm glad I took the time because I really feel better now and so much, so much better. And I never have to ask anybody for medication names. So, (laughs) Um,
2: But that is one of the things that I suggest to bereave people, which is really hard to do, is to say to the people around them, I'm not the same. I'm wounded. I mean, and if we look at ourselves as wounded, I, I'm changed. I'm different. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who I am now. So my brain isn't working the same. Mm-hmm. I have emotions that I don't know what to do with. I'm not sleep, you know, all the things that we are experiencing. Again, that risk of telling someone, but sometimes until you've been bereaved, you have no idea. Yeah. yeah. So it does us, it helps us soothe our mind to say, I just gotta set the stage here of what where I'm at. Yeah, and my identity.
1: Is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's not. You're yeah. just not the same at all. And 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 my future is not what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not what you planned in your mind. And when you lose a huge part of your future and you lose your identity, then you think, "What do I have?" Right. And then and then it is just this feeling of, "I'm lost. I'm confused. I don't know." Mm-hmm. I don't know how to move on. I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm going to do next week. I mean. Which all circles back to that feeling like we're going crazy. Yes.
2: Yeah. That's there. We've come full circle now to say that is why there's just so much to process. Mm Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. In our conversation, when I mentioned risking to tell others who you are, like you did at the mm-hmm, group at the mm-hmm. end, and then for our employers or our coworkers or someone you're on a committee with, saying to them, this is, you know, I'm changed, I'm different, this is difficult, I'm not the same person, the problem that I hear from bereaved people is, now I've got to do
1: that? Yeah. Like,
2: that takes energy from me, mm-hmm. so I, who has no energy in going through this, have to find it in... To teach you about what it's like. Mm -hmm. And that's why the helpers that are listening, I constantly say, you have to have a teach me attitude.
1: Yes. Tell
2: me what this is like for you. I mean, imagine that if everyone you met from your nurse, and I'm not saying she didn't do good things, but imagine if everyone you met when you went back to work said, what do you need? Teach me. Teach me what it's like. How are we going to hold you up and carry Mm -hmm. you through this? Instead of
1: the... uh, Attitude that, that was there was um, we can't do anything to make her think about it, you know. It's just like avoiding, oh, so keeping her mind tri- off yes, of what had happened, keep, keep her yeah. mind off okay. of everything, and that actually was not great either Mm-mm. because. You know, he was a huge part of my life, is, is still a huge part of my life, and I can't just pretend like he didn't exist, right. which is what pe- feels easier to people. Mm-hmm. And then that gets you angry, too, a That's bit. where I
2: was. I'm chuckling because <laughs> um, people say to me, well, I wanted to bring it up. Um, yeah, I mean, even friends, they say, you know, I wanted to ask you because I it was with a friend who had a death, and I wanted to bring it up, but they seem like they're in a good mood. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. And I'll say, Oh, yeah, like they had forgotten that moment that this had just happened to them. Yeah, you're right. No, they are never not thinking about it. Right, <laughs> Never.
1: Right. I, well, I worked with a different nurse um, a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't worked with her, you know, since before Andy died. And she noticed the necklace that I now wear. And I always wear this necklace. It's it's a little heart necklace, and it has Andy's thumbprint on mm-hmm. it. And, um, and she said, I just noticed your necklace for the first time. I just want to tell you how special that is. Well, I teared up Mm -hmm. right away. Of course I did. And then she was so quick to apologize Mm -hmm. that she should have never brought it up. Well, it was beautiful for me that she did, that she noticed my necklace. I want people to notice my necklace and think that it is special that I'm holding Andy's thumbprint as Mm -hmm. close to me as I can. So yeah i mean
2: say to her no it was okay no no it's
1: fine it's good it's so you're teaching her then how to right and which is easier now Mm -hmm. almost a year and a half out than it was right away Mm -hmm. right right away, it's so hard and you feel like everyone should know and in some ways i think right away they sort of do but after a little bit they forget it goes
2: back to the yep
1: because mm-hmm. their life mm-hmm. goes back to pretty much
2: normal. Well, again, here we go to what makes us feel like we're crazy and losing it is because the rest of the world, like you just said, goes back to normal. The sun comes up, people are moving on, and you think, wait a minute, yeah. And and so- when people
1: say to you, "Well, it's been a year," mm. "Well, it's been two years," "Well, mm. aren't you know kind of aren't you over it yet?" Yeah. sort of deal, and um, then then you might be tempted to think. Should I be? Right. Oh. Maybe I should be. Maybe this is not right. I, you know, and then you feel like, okay. And, and I know going in, I did not think that about the, how permanent. Right. Your forever change. Yeah. Yeah. The forever change. Yeah. And that's what people say.
2: You had um, no idea that it was, uh, it's a lifetime membership.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just something that's always going to be there. And now to have people say to me, oh, you're only, you know, Mm -hmm. 17 months in or 16 months in or whatever. And and I I love that. I love Mm -hmm. when people say you're still so fresh. Right. When it's been over a year. Because people that aren't bereaved would never say that to me. No. They would never say, oh, it's only been one year and five months. They would. Be quick to say, well, wow, it's been a year. Yeah. Things should be okay. So that's important to surround yourself with people who understand. right? And that's what I'm, that's the kind of the purpose of the podcast is that some people don't have have anybody have anybody that understands or don't have a starlight support group right. just down across town or right or right anything and if you don't have anything then I think this is a good platform to be able to hear about other people and gay go okay right okay our brains work similar because
2: as you were saying that my thought was going to, all of this does come back to the importance of being validated in a community of people who understand you. So that again, normalizes you now compared to the rest of the world. Are your experiences normal? No, no, <laughs> no. but compared to a group of bereaved moms now or parents or
1: families. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and I,
1: I, and too, you know, my um on uh, my facebook page you know mm-hmm. i have an uh, right. always sandy's mom facebook page that i would really invite people to get on and right. and, and and like or whatever because it, then we can be in community a little bit right, right? and people do comment on things that mm-hmm. i post and other people post can post things too mm-hmm. and it's really really helpful it to is. have that community of people that you know are there are feeling mm-hmm. those same feelings. Right,
2: and I've watched, being an observer of a lot of these sites, where a woman might be able to say to that group, it's my child's birthday tomorrow, and the comments that she will get back from those moms who've walked it, lived it, know it, Is totally different than her being maybe in her book club and saying, It's my child's birthday tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Totally different responses. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that community of people. And then again, what that does for us who are bereaved, they say, Maybe I'm not losing it. That Mm -hmm. this is, you know, my ride. This is my journey. This is what I'm going to experience. And that's what we hope for for people who are listening to this going, "Um, Yeah, I feel like I am going crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That um, you're not.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it is nice when you can reach out to people like on some of those big days, those mm-hmm. anniversary days and things like that. I know I like to be able to reach out to mm-hmm. people who have have spoken to me mm-hmm. on some of those days. And I know you do too. Yeah. You, you write things right. down. Yeah. So you're able to do that because it's so encouraging as a bereaved person to have somebody else have remembered and have you not even have to say Today's right. Andy's birthday. Right. Have somebody say to you, send you a text, mm-hmm. an email, give you a phone call and right. say, I know today's Andy's birthday. Yeah. I'm thinking of him. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. you. You know? That is so huge.
2: Mm-hmm. And people don't know that. And no. so it's good that they can hear that, I think, for the helpers listening or the family members too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this has given a little bit of. Uh, encouragement to people to kind of understand um the emotionality i know um just one last thing one of the very first weeks we went to starlight you had um it was kind of this ball and it looked like i mean it was on a piece of paper and it looked like almost a scribble ball and it had in these little areas it had all the emotions Mm -hmm. it had just emotions written everywhere, every emotion under the sun. And you had us color in the emotions that we were feeling. And I don't know if it was like <laughs> what we'd felt in the last week or what we are yeah. feeling at the moment or whatever. And it was really astounding how many emotions I was feeling at that time. Right. And, and I loved that it was looked like kind of a scribble ball and that none of the compartments with the emotions in it were the same size. Mm-hmm. There didn't seem to be any symmetry to it really whatsoever. It, it just was a jumbled mess of emotions. And being able to kind of color those and identify those and grab onto those was big. Right. So, I mean, I think to even... Write some of those things down yeah. just to help kind of help understand what's going on in your head is pretty cool. I mean, it was it was a neat exercise for me that I have remembered now right. well over a year later.
2: So the interesting thing is that when you see all those emotions, then you can say to yourself, no wonder why I'm a crazy mad. No wonder you right. Exactly. Yes. Because we have kids say, okay, now you have all these feelings. Now go ride a bike. Now go do homework. Do your chores. Do all the things that normal kids do. And they go, well, that's why it's so hard to kind of function because I'm carrying all of this. Mm-hmm. Plus I have to do these normal
1: yeah. Functions. And when you're carrying uh, 25 emotions. Right. I mean, it was so funny because I remember looking through that and I'm trying to read all of them because it's yeah. all like a kind of a mess. And and then you go, well, I feel that one. And you color that and then you go, well, I kind of got that one. Yeah. too. <laughs> and, you, and all of a sudden you're realizing, I think I'm color, coloring more than 50 percent. I think I ought to stop coloring yeah. because you're just feeling all of them almost, right. you know, and he I, I almost felt like when I hit one that I wasn't feeling, I was like, Okay, well at least I'm not feeling that. Too. Right. <laughs>
2: exactly. Right? That's good. Yep. This is my second point is that oftentimes what I like to do um is have people take that at the early part of their grief. And then even sometimes after four, six Eight weeks of being in a support community and being validated, give them the same thing. And studies show that they will mark at least two thirds less than they did on the first time. Really? Yes.
1: You know, and uh, yeah, that is cool. That- and one more thing I think too, that was helpful was that Eric and I did that together mm-hmm. and then we compared and oh. there were so many differences like so oh, many things were feeling I didn't know you were feeling that okay. and and that and maybe there were some that I I actually wasn't feeling enough to feel like I should color so mm-hmm. I didn't color it well Eric had it colored mm-hmm. and it made me understand His grief and the differences that we had and the different emotions that we were feeling because I know that can be a struggle Mm -hmm. between couples who lose a child is they are grieving differently. And a lot of times it's because I think, first of all, their coping strategies are different and their makeup is different and they're just different people. But when you're feeling different emotions and not the same ones, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of anger that Eric just... Really didn't experience. Right. You know, he experienced some anger that Andy wasn't going to have a future. But I experienced anger at the accident and Mm -hmm. the situation Mm -hmm. and the person. Right. You know, so that that was a difference um, between us. But to be able to see it on the paper...
2: Well, I I will try to find that because it may be helpful if we put up a link to it and people want to look at that handout. Would that be something that's helpful? Um, The other pieces I think we don't have time today, but I wrote it down for a future topic is coping as a family. Because then what happens, what you just talked about is all the different emotions. Then we're all living together and it's
1: like a big pressure cooker. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And how are we going to do this? Well, and
1: you feel like okay, I am going crazy, so I've got to act as normal as I can. And then everyone is feeling like they're probably going crazy and trying to. But you're right. the Coping as a family, when you're all doing things differently, is so big. Yeah. So I wrote that down as an idea for Well, and we can touch on it a little bit. One thing that you have said in the past to me is about how children oftentimes – like seem to wait until their parents are doing Mm -hmm. a little better. Right. And then they really um, show their emotions Mm because they feel like they need to kind of – be strong for the parents, right?
2: And they need to know that you're going to survive. Yes, that you're yes. going to. Once you start getting better, then the parents look at me and go, "Wow, now my child's coming up with all this stuff," and I feel like we're past that. No, they were waiting to make sure you got past it before they could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. share. But theirs. no
1: pressure on people to feel like you have to rush through oh, in order no. to get. Oh your... right, as a parent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a parent, and
2: I think giving them outside support that they mm-hmm. can talk to, because it's not that children won't grieve early on; they usually don't do it with the parent or shirt with the parent Mm -hmm. because they're smart enough to know they're grieving too so that's why providing someone and if you don't have a group to go to an aunt and uncle a youth pastor uh Mm -hmm. you know a mentor um
1: well I know with um with Peter he always seemed to be doing pretty good and um but he has been seeing a therapist now just every three or four weeks not that often And I'll say to him kind of after everyone, well, do you want to make another appointment and keep going? And he always says yes, Mm -hmm. because I think it is nice for him to feel like he has someone completely detached from the situation that he could talk to. Right. And that he knows he's not going to get that person down. Right. Right. Absolutely, and their safe space. Mm -hmm. And we we
2: have already mentioned that earlier today. Because I know the counselor had said to me, I don't think he needs to come anymore. Mm.
1: And then when I asked Peter, he goes, no, I still want to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm glad the counselor feels like he's actually healthy enough that he probably technically doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. But if he wants it and feels like it's helpful and feels like it gives him you know some security knowing that three four weeks down the road he's going to be able to go back so if something had come up in that Mm -hmm. meantime that that he has a not that he can't talk to us because he can and he does but you know a little bit of him yeah it's different Mm -hmm. it's different I know Michelle had said way back I think she was like episode six or something um, when her sister died it was a family friend that she turned to, not mm. her parents at all, right. because right. she just couldn't. She just yep. felt like they were too overwhelmed.
2: Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much you for going Thank you for
2: conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: I appreciate it a lot. I look forward to next time. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at Be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.